Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Well, there's this huge resource development project in British Columbia that's going to benefit all British Columbians, including the Indigenous. So why is there a group of radicals protesting this project, and why are they seemingly getting away with delaying it Kian Bexty flew out to the BC hinterland to get the goods, and wow, it's quite the story, folks. And why did a National Post journalist go out of his way to ban rebel reporters from the Alberta legislature? Just wait to hear what Ezra Levent has to say about this latest egregious act of those in the media who actually embrace cancel culture. And finally, letters, we get your letters, we get your letters every minute of every day. And I'll share some of your responses regarding our video about that traveling freak show known as Jonathan and Mama Yaniv. Can you believe it, folks? He was recently catfished. He was tricked into believing that a young girl was residing at Sick Kids Hospital. And this sick puppy Yaniv actually traveled all the way from Vancouver to Toronto to meet a fictional child to do <laughs> God knows what. Thankfully, there was no child to harm, but the Yaniv's got to meet me again. And oh boy, <laughs> they hated every second of it. Those are your rebels, now let's round them up. Development project in beautiful British Columbia remains stalled for absolutely no good reason. After all, this project would be an economic shot in the arm for the region, and almost everyone is on board, including all of the native bands in the area. But alas, there are some agitators trying to derail this project, and because they claim this is all about taking a stance in the name of Indigenous justice, well, suddenly this project has become a political hot potato and to heck with the rule of law. And with more on this incredibly frustrating story is none other than the man who ventured way out into the BC hinterland to get the goods, my colleague Kian Bexty. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend. Hey, David. So, Kian, what is the real reason these demonstrators are trying to put the kibosh on such an important project that is going to benefit and even enrich so many people? Because they're eco-radicals funded by eco-extremists, it really has nothing to do with uh, the indigenous um, label that they've, you know, sort of put this movement under. You and I know both that the the eco-environmental movement is about three crises behind us right now. That's why Greta Thunberg is sort of irrelevant. So to keep up with the sort of chic SJW narrative, um, they have to tie it into some sort of race-based issue. So these eco-radicals who don't live anywhere near the area, they live three traditional territories south of Blue River. They come up to Blue River and they set up this blockade and they've been there now for quite some time. Uh, the police won't lay a finger on them. They won't arrest them no matter how lawless they get. Uh, and the townsfolk uh, are just fed up at this point. You know, uh, Ken, you said a lot there, and I'm going to try to uh, analyze it. First of all, this idea of them being eco-activists. Now, I'll put the record of Canadian uh, 
oil and gas development against any country in the world. In fact, our boss, Ezra Levant, wrote the wonderful book, Ethical Oil. If these people were really concerned, I don't know, about saving the planet or cleaning up some kind of ecological disaster, you could spin a globe and pick several countries that have odious records when it comes to resource management. Why don't they go there? Why are they campaigning against a, a country that's known for ethical resource development? Well, because the money is, you know, it's money that's coming from the United States. It's money that's coming from these eco-radicals that are hell-bent on focusing on Canada. Their interest isn't necessarily on uh, the the oil that is moving. It's not about just stopping the industry. It's about stopping the industry in Canada very specifically because they're Marxists. They understand that by doing this, they're rearranging the political structure of the area, they're rearranging the economic structure of the country. Um, and if they, you know, if they can take money from those doing, you know, it, it's a wealth redistribution program at the end of at the end of the road. And Ken, you also mentioned they've tried to embrace the narrative of this being a race-based issue. It's uh, the yeah. indigenous versus uh, white colonialists, I suppose. And yet, what a false narrative that is, isn't it, Kian? As you showed in your report, mm -hmm. all of the native bands and all so many of the natives you spoke to, they want this to go ahead. They want these good, high-paying, sustainable jobs. So why aren't these eco-activists, fake indigenous, why aren't they being called out on this and just have the authorities move in and get this project going? Well, that's what we hope this document, mini documentary does at fakefirstnation.com. People can go and watch it and it exposes them for what they are. The mainstream media has completely ignored what is going on in Blue River. It's become a lawless town where the color of your skin determines whether or not you're allowed to break the laws. You'll see in the video some atrocious behavior on the part of those eco-radicals driving down the highway, hanging outside of vehicles while waving flags. It's absolute anarchy in that town, and it's all a result of the police being too scared to do anything. And keep in mind, it's the RCMP in rural BC. It's not the OPP who report to Doug Ford. It's the RCMP who, at the end of the day, even though they have to go a little bit through John Horgan's um, minister, uh, Attorney General and Minister of Justice, at the end of the day, their final report is to Brenda Lucky, Justin Trudeau's hand-picked RCMP commissioner. And the last thing Justin Trudeau is going to do is intervene uh, when it comes to a race-based issue like this, because you know as well as I do, he takes the knee when it comes to enforcing the law. Oh, he doesn't just take the knee, he puts on blackface and he dresses up as an Indian, as in the nation of India. Uh, so I know he's all in there, but, but you raise a good point, um, Kian. If there was some political will, where does the buck stop with this project? Is it Premier Horgan or is it Prime Minister Trudeau? Uh, a bit of both. Um, John Horgan has said that the pipeline's happening. He's accepted that. Um, but that mean, that doesn't mean he's going to lift a finger to help. Um, Justin Trudeau technically owns the pipeline. Um, so if he's not the one that is actively fighting for it to go through it makes you wonder why he paid 10 billion dollars or something like that to buy out the pipeline in the first place this is all just like when you're when you're a level-headed 
thoughtful person looking at this from the outside, you can't help but think that you as the taxpayer have gotten screwed around so hard on this project. It was going to go ahead. All they needed is a competent law enforcement organization to enforce the law so that they can be sure that if the court said, yeah, we're all good to go, then the pipeline would be built. But there was no faith that that would happen. So Justin Trudeau had to buy this pipeline for Kinder Morgan, losing out, costing taxpayers about $10 billion. Now, although that's already a sunk cost, there might not even be any return on investment if these radical indigenous eco-extremists are allowed to just continue sitting on that plot of land, stopping any sort of construction. It's directly hurting the pocketbook of every mom and dad in, in the country who invested in this pipeline, knowing that the court said, yeah, it's good to go ahead. Unbelievable. Um, Kian, exit question. I'm going to ask you to do a little crystal ball gazing. Where does, where does it go from here? And I mean, I'm, I'm thinking back to uh, earlier this month, uh, well, it began in June, actually, the occupation of Nathan Phillips Square by a group called Afro-Indigenous Rising. Uh, they broke the law the very first day they stayed overnight. You're not allowed to camp on the public square. But it wasn't a day one thing. It was day 21 until the police finally moved in and said enough is enough. So is that the thinking? Let these, you know, let these infants have their tantrum. Let them scream and shout. And A, hopefully they'll get bored or run out of money and leave. Or is it a matter where the government's finally going to say, look, you've had your say. You've been there for months. Uh, enough is enough. How does this play out in the future, Kian? They're not running out of money anytime soon. Um, you know, uh, as well as I do, who's funding these, these radicals. Uh, so they'll be there as long as it takes. They'll be there until the RCMP finally grow a pair and pull them off, which they will eventually have to do. Um, once the pipeline is about to be laid through that creek, and once they need to build that man camp there, uh, the police will eventually have to arrest them. I, they, I just don't see any other way. Right now, the, the, the collateral damage are the townsfolk who have to put up with this individual. Her name is Canhouse Manuel, who not only does her family own a gas station, they have to put up with this radical uh, extremist standing on their streets, shouting at children, calling them rapists, calling them racists, screaming at women, screaming at any indigenous man who does not agree with her who happens to be working for the pipeline, they have to deal with someone like this, someone who is, is I, I, I have to watch my words here so I don't get sued, although I don't, I, I presume she won't use the colonialist court to fight back, but she, she you know, she's a radical extremist who is dangerous to the community. She is uh, hurting uh, young children with her words, uh, you know, making them think that they're rapists going home to their, parents and asking them, Daddy, what, what is a rapist? Why, why did that uh, Indigenous woman call me a rapist? It, it's, it's such a sad situation for that town who have no police force presence to back them up and keep them safe. It is sad, and we're going to have to wrap it here. Kian, welcome to Justin Trudeau's Canada in 2020. A major development project is in the ditch, and in Blue River, there is a two-tier race-based justice system uh, playing out every day. What an absolute disgrace. You, my friend, and our cameraman Mocha did a fantastic uh, report on that. So thank you once again, and let's hope uh, this project gets back on the rails sooner rather than later. Thank you again, Kian. Thanks, David.
And that was Kian Bextie in Calgary. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Rex Murphy and Conrad Black, there's not much difference between the Post and the Toronto Star anymore. And I tell you this because you're not going to believe this. The decision to ban us yesterday was made by the National Post. I'm serious. Here's the two-line letter they sent our lawyers banning Sheila and Kean. I'll read you the whole thing. It's sent from a National Post email during office hours by a National Post employee signing it as a National Post employee. Let me read it. From Tyler Dawson, tdawson at postmedia.com, to Michael Swanberg and Kelly Clark. Those are our Edmonton lawyers. Subject, application by Sheila Gunn-Reed and Kean Bexty to join the Alberta Legislature Press Gallery. Good morning. I have been elected as president of the Alberta Legislature Press Gallery Association as of our annual general meeting this morning. I'm writing to inform you that the gallery has voted to reject the applications of Sheila Gunn-Reed and Kean Bexty of the Rebel News Network Limited for membership to the Alberta Legislature Press Gallery Association. Take care. Tyler Dawson, Alberta correspondent, National Post. <laughs> Here's Tyler Dawson. He's exactly what I'd expect him to look like. He was one of the National Post leftists who signed that letter demanding that Rex Murphy not be allowed to write conservative things. Now he's trying to censor us. You can read his letter for yourself at LetUsReport.com. In fact, can I recommend you click on over to LetUsReport.com? Because this story has actually been percolating for a month. There have been a lot of lawyers' letters going back and forth behind the scenes before now. We didn't publicize this because we didn't want to make a fuss. We just wanted access to the public legislature to do our jobs as journalists. I, I don't know what the National Post has to do with that. We didn't want to fight with them. We just wanted to report on the politicians there. But as you can see, we won't be allowed to because the National Post says so. Wow, I remember the glory days of the National Post when it was launched by founder Conrad Black back in October 1998. It was a great read. And full disclosure, I freelanced for every section of the Post for at least a decade. 
That National Post was unapologetically right of center and conservative and a champion for freedom of speech and freedom of expression and, of course, freedom of the press. But to paraphrase that Oldsmobile ad tagline from the 1980s, this is not your father's National Post. This current post is not about going to bat for freedom, but rather a rag that embraces cancel culture. Again, wow. And without further ado, here is the Commander-in-Chief himself, Ezra Levant. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, Ezra. Well, thanks very much, David. You know, I love the National Post also. In fact, I worked for them Correct. on their editorial board for two years. And even after I left, I continued to write op-eds for them, maybe even a hundred. Uh, I'd have to add it up. But uh, they're really the newspaper I love the most um, because of those early days, that spirit, that conservative, freedom-loving spirit to be contrarian. When I worked there, I had a catchphrase of my own. Um, when I was in an editorial board meeting and we were arguing which approach to take, my zinger was always, we already have a Globe and Mail in Canada. <laughs> As in, we don't need two. Yes. And that was always a way to shake people, oh yeah, right, we can be different. We don't have to follow the other guys. So the National Post is uh, 22 years old now. Yeah. It'll be 22 in October. And congratulations to it. But you know what? It's an awful lot thinner than it used to be, and I guess every newspaper is. But... If it was thin but quality, so much of it is what w what's called wire copy, just sort of generic yep. uh, stuff written by other journalists and other newspapers that they just put in. They pay a very small fee because 100 newspapers print the same thing. It's yep. just filler. There are a couple of great voices there, Rex Murphy and Conrad Black himself, and a few others. My old friend Terry Corcoran still writes sometimes. But you know what? You can count on one finger's hands. Yep the quality conservatives there, the rest of it, it's really gone cancel culture. Remember, this is a place where 30 of their active reporters signed a letter denouncing Rex Murphy, so it's rotten yeah, to the to bone. To their top talent, they yeah. denounce him. Unbelievable. So, uh, Ezra, two questions then. A, what happened to the National Post mm -hmm. in recent years? And B, who in blue hell is Tyler Dawson? Yeah, <laughs> well, I think the National Post just forgot the old saying, personnel is policy. Mm -hmm. If you start hiring uh, the woke leftist grads out of Ryerson Journalism School, don't be surprised if you do that for three, four, five, six, ten years, that that is who you become. Um, and the National Post has hired a bunch of woke millennials. We hire conservative millennials here yeah. at Rebel News because we believe it's important. But why aren't they hiring the conservative I don't know. Then? I don't really know. Well, I think it's because they used to be run by a man who cared about ideas, Conrad Black. Yeah. Now they're owned by a, a New Jersey hedge fund called Chatham Asset Management. Yeah. Most people don't know that. The National Post and all the Post Media newspapers, so Calgary Herald, Calgary Sun, Edmonton Journal, Edmonton Sun, Vancouver Province, Vancouver Sun, Regina Leader Post, Saskatoon Star Phoenix, um, Montreal Gazette, so many newspapers, and those are just the big dailies. Yeah. They're owned by a hedge fund in New Jersey, and I got nothing against New Jersey, love the place, but they don't care about ideas, they care about money, um, and so... Um, well, they're not <coughs> going to make money with that dead well, dog with fleas. Well, uh, except for, actually, <laughs> they are the number one recipient of Justin Trudeau's bailout. There you go. They get $140,000 per week, <laughs> so there really is only one reader they care about now, and it's Justin Trudeau. So, listen, I like the Post still, but they've started doing mean things to us, they started stealing our work. For example, Key and Bexley flew to Winnipeg, yes. did some photojournalism. So we had to fly him out there. We paid Key and he did the work. He, he had the initiative. And they just stole his photo and used it yep. uh, in their own media. And I wrote to them. I was very 
I made a big fuss. Yeah. And they said, oh, sorry, sorry, never do it again. But then, again, with Kean, actually, he was traveling to Vancouver, got some great video footage of himself being attacked by Jonathan Yaniv. It was <laughs> crazy footage. Um, and he, it's just, I just want to let you, I'm going to describe this so you know it couldn't have been an accident. They took the video that, that we produced, they downloaded it, stripped off our marks, like our little in the corner that's something that says Rebel News, that's called a bug. That little, it looks like a tiny little bug in the corner. Uh, removed our bug, re-uploaded it to their own website with their own post-media branding on it and sold ads on it. So they literally, so it couldn't have been an accident or a whoopsie to download ours, strip our markings off it, re-upload it with their markings and sell ads. A video that we probably, if you add it all up, spent $2,000 to make. These are the big bullies, and that's how they treat us, a competitor. And let me close well, with this. Oh, go ahead. Oh, two, two things about that, Ezra. So not only do they steal our stuff and use it in an unauthorized fashion, they don't even give us credit. They mm -hmm. don't say courtesy of Rebel News. Yeah. Secondly, um, what just stuns me here is that if we're, for whatever reason, not worthy enough, at yeah. least in Tyler Dawson's eyes, to walk into the Alberta legislature yeah. and report, how is it that us, the unworthy, the, the untouchables, are producing content that they are ripping off and monetizing it, for themselves. Exactly. I mean, they got to pick a lane. Either we're <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible journalists who should never be allowed anywhere, or we're great journalists, so great they want to steal our stuff, yeah. and, and, um, um, which is illegal, by the way, and we're suing them. Yep. Now, I filed the lawsuit against them for the copyright theft in January in Toronto, but I didn't even tell anyone. I mean, obviously, I served the lawsuit on Post Media, but I didn't make a fuss about it because I thought, I don't need to go to war against the National Post. Uh, it was clearly not the president of the company who made that decision. It was probably some photo editor or someone. So I didn't make a huge fuss about it. I don't even think I told you. Maybe I did in, in a staff meeting, but I didn't make a fuss about right. it. But they just keep... And then what happened on this week, we, had, we applied to be a member of the Alberta Legislature Press Gallery which is just what it sounds. It, it gives you access to the building to interview the premier, the opposition leader, the MLAs. Uh, I don't know why we need the permission of our competitors yeah. to get into the building. It's not their building. We don't have anything to do with our competitors. We just want Sheila Gunn-Reed and Kim Bexley to be able to walk into the building. And the press gallery, for some reason, controls the little passes that you have. So we just apply to them and say, hey, can we get a pass? I don't know why. We have to talk to our rivals, competitors, and people we're suing for that permission. But I thought, well, maybe they don't like me. So I had the friendliest lawyers in Alberta write the letter. I know you're thinking that's a joke. No, it's not. <laughs> we, there's a law firm in Alberta that represents all the journalists of Alberta whenever they're sued. They only do def defense work for journalists. Oh, yeah. So they're well-loved by journalists because they always defend freedom. Mm. Uh, Fred Kozak is the senior lawyer. There's other lawyers. Right, right. And there's, he really is one of the nicest men you'll ever meet. And he's, he's like a guardian angel for journalists. So I thought, you know, if Fred and his company, Reynolds Murth, write this letter, really friendly, just laying it out and say, hey, can we have, here's a little bit about Kean, here's a little bit about Sheila, can you give them a pass? I, my name isn't even on there, because so, maybe they don't like me or something. So I thought, let's have the friendliest pro-media law firm write the friendliest letter, just saying, hey guys, got a couple journalists, Kean and Sheila, they're good guys. Can, so. The whole goal there was to lower the temperature and not pick a fight. Right. That's why, I mean, I could have written the letter myself. Sheila and Kean could, but I thought, yeah. let's have the friend to all, yeah. this law firm. Well, they ignored it. So the law firm wrote again. They ignored it. <laughs> so I think the law firm wrote a third time. 
Like we're spending money on this. Yeah. And then we get this email out of the blue from this character named Tyler Dawson, who I, I, I didn't really know much about him, but I Googled him, and he just hates Rebel <laughs> News and me and Kean. I don't even know why. I don't, I don't know if I've ever even encountered him in my life. Maybe I have, but I certainly have forgotten him if I have. So he's had this five-year vendetta against us, and that's fine, I, mean, I don't care. But for him to be the judge of whether or not we can walk into the legislature building and put a microphone to Jason Kenney, why would he be the judge? So here's what we did. When we got this letter from Tyler Dawson of Post Media, on Post Media, uh, stationary is not the word, but it, it said Tyler Dawson, Post Media. It was from a, you know, his Post Media email account sent during work hours. So it was very clearly a Post Media thing, and it had to do with Post Media's business, journalism. So we served notice on Tyler Dawson and Post Media's Toronto lawyers that we're going to sue them not for being mean, not for, well, I'll tell you what for, for violating the Competition Act. Because, I don't That's know. serious. It's extremely serious. Yeah. Five years ago, there were two major newspaper chains in, in, in English Canada. There was The Sun, and there was, um, it had different names, CanWest, Southern, Post Media, whatever. So, for example, in Calgary, the Calgary Herald and the Calgary Sun were rivals. Yeah. In Edmonton, the Edmonton Journal and the Edmonton Sun were rivals. Post Media um, bought out the Sun newspaper. So now, both newspapers in the big cities are owned by the same company. Yeah. And the National Post, so the top five newspapers in Alberta, which give a simulation of competition, they're all owned by the same company, That's Post correct. Media. Yeah. And frankly, they all run almost identical stuff. So they needed the government's permission for that kind of anti-competitive merger. It would be like if Coke bought out Pepsi. Actually, it's not the same, because who cares if Coke buys out Pepsi? I mean, really. But if your sources of news and opinion in one town are all controlled by the same guy, a New York hedge fund, a New Jersey hedge fund, there's a problem. So the Competition Bureau had a five-month investigation into Post Media's plans to buy out the Sun. And that's a very long, that's, a, that's like an audit. Imagine being audited for five months. That's not pleasant. And the Competition Bureau said, we will permit this only because of four things. Um, that there are digital competitors to Post Media. That's us, David. That there are free daily newspapers that are competitors. Well, they're already gone, David. Yeah. And there were a couple other reasons. But so it was, I, w I won't say it was a grudging approval, but it was, all right, this is very anti-competitive. But as long as these four things are there, maybe it's okay. Well, post media, by stealing our stuff, by engaging, in, by refusing to deal with our intellectual property claims, by being bullies corporately, I'm not talking about hurting my feelings, yeah. I'm talking about stealing our stuff. And then finally, by presiding over the press gallery that bans us. That is the, that's almost a dictionary definition of being a cartel, a, a trust, as it's sometimes called, an anti-competitive club. And look, I really don't care what Post Media does. I mean, I'm sad that they become a super thin, liberal, woke thing, but that's not my business. I'm not a subscriber, I don't care. But for them to say, hey, Rebel News, this up and coming competitor, we are going to ban you from our place of business without any explanation, without any due process. We're not going to invite you to the trial of you. The guy who's going to preside over this is a longtime hater. I, I wasn't familiar with Tyler Dawson. Google his Twitter account. He's been hating on the rebel for years. Oh, yeah. So he's the judge. That's, 
So we wrote a letter to their Toronto-based, high-priced competition bureau lawyer, uh, I think her name is uh, Catherine Kay or something, at uh, Steichman Elliott. That's, that's a big shot. Yeah. And we wrote a letter saying, this is exactly what you promised the competition bureau you would not do. Get ready to rumble. And um, you know what? If I was post-media, first of all, they're, they're, they're losing money all the time, so I don't know if they need another lawsuit. <laughs> but it's not even the money. They're breaking the law yeah. by banning. It would be like, well, I mean, there's a lot of anti-competitive business out there. Amazon, the way it, it tries to shut down rivals, it's yeah. destroying the book industry. But at least that's just through offering lower prices and better service. I mean, we use Amazon to buy and sell stuff. We're not compelled to. It's just, well, it's cheaper and it's faster. Post media isn't saying, hey, customers of news, hey, news readers, we're cheaper, faster, better, smarter than rebels, so come over to us. That's not really being monopolistic. That's just being the best in the marketplace. What post media did was illegal anti-competitive behavior. They said, we are going to ban you from physically walking into the legislature and we're not even going to give you any reason. We're not even going to tell you how we came to the decision. We're banning you. Ha ha. Sucks to be you. Sorry, guys. Um, we'll see you at the competition uh, bureau. Get ready to lose. And I call that playing with fire. And exit question, uh, Ezra, because we're up against the clock here. I'm curious, behind the scenes, was this decision made by this Tyler Dawson, who is pretty low down on the post-media totem pole, I would imagine, or was there an executive, a publisher of post-media that said, oh, no, no, the, the rebel journalists do not get in? What do you think it is? Because if it was Tyler Dawson uh, acting unilaterally, I mean, how did he even think he had the authority to do this in the first place? Well, because the, uh, the legislature press gallery, just like the parliamentary press gallery, they pick and choose favorites all the time. Yeah. I mean, the federal press gallery has banned Rebel, but they accredit Xinhua and the People's Daily. Those are two <laughs> Communist Party of China outlets. So what is that all about? I th I, to answer your question, I don't know for sure, but I would think it's just the culture of the media party. I call it the media party. I mean, I've been using that term for years. I think they just think that they're better than us, and this is how they've always gotten away with it. So, of course, and of course, the rebel is bad people, and of course, we'll do this with impunity. I don't believe there was a big boss at Post Media who said, do this. But it is extremely clear that there's a culture at Post Media. Listen, the same people that stole Kean's photograph, yeah. the same people that stole Kean's video, downloaded it, re-uploaded it with their own branding, yeah. I'm not saying that was directed by the king of post media down there in, in um, Chatham, New Jersey. Of course not. <laughs> uh, you know, you're a, you're a vulture fund manager in New Jersey. You don't care about Canada at all. You can't find Canada on the map. You're just interested in dollars. So, yeah, the, the boss of post media down there in, in New Jersey, he didn't orchestrate. But there's a culture of do what we want. We're the biggest game in town. As long as we please Justin Trudeau, we'll get our 140 grand a week. The rebel are a bunch of losers because um, they're not cool like us. Yeah. And steal what you can from them because even if they sue, good luck. We've got to bank a lawyer. So you know what? I want to see some justice. And in the meantime, I've called on all my friends yeah. to send a message to Post Media that, sorry, that's not cool to be part of the cancel culture. So guys, if you are a subscriber to Post Media, and I say this as an almost day one employee there. I wasn't there exactly on the first day, but I was there in 99 to 2001, very early days, 20 years ago. 
I love that place. I love Conrad Black. I love um, Rex Murphy. I like I love a handful of the of the early days guys. But that ain't it. Ain't your father's? That's supposed to be Mark. Yeah. Call four one six. 383-2500. You have the, the phone number. Well, I used to work now. there. I used to work <laughs> that's there. So just, that's the phone, 416-383-2500 during office hours. Now, you'll get an automatic uh, answering machine. You've got to press zero to talk to someone. Please don't be mean. The person who answers the phone is probably the most honest person in the whole shop. <laughs> and just say, look, uh, we're canceling our National Post subscription because you guys are being not being conservative. You're being bullies. You're being censors. You're shutting down your competitors. Um, and you know what? It's over $300 a year to be a subscriber to the National Post. You don't need that. Why don't you put some of that money in your pocket, subscribe to Rebel if you want, or, you know, frankly, you can read Rex Murphy's column on the internet for free. That's pretty much all that's left yeah. in that paper. <laughs> and I know I'm sounding sort of tough, but these people are literally trying to put us out of business. Yeah. When you say to reporters, you cannot go to the place to do your work, how is that different than a ban on working? Exactly. I mean, of course they can work from their home, but we want to go to the legislature where the politicians are, where the news is, where the press conferences are. And some nobody, Tyler Dawson says, um, no, you can't, and I'm not going to tell you why. <laughs> well, who even asked you? Well, the answer is we asked them because they control the passes. I will sue until I'm dead to win this. I will put, because this strikes to the very core of freedom of the press 100%. and some loser at post media where i used to work as a yeah. loyal and productive employee yeah. is telling me i can't work today tell it to a judge buddy well ezra on that note i'm just going to pat myself on the back i was ahead of the curve i canceled my subscription in 2018 yeah and folks like ezra said yeah politely cancel your subscription and tell them the reason why and as for the people running the national post that ain't the national post anymore how about a rebranding of the, your newspaper um how about regional compost that comes to mind keep it here more of rebel roundup to come right after this What's the funnest thing you need? What, what brings you to Toronto? What brings you to Toronto? Have you been catfished? Why were you going to a hotel to meet a minor? Huh? Can you call 911? Oh, absolutely. Call 911 if you want. So, Jonathan, why were you going to a hospital here? I knew Jonathan, are you still stalking minors? Are you, you still stalking minors? You, know you, you go, you have to live at pain. Oh, I do? That yeah. Is yeah. yeah. Or what, you're going to ram your iPad into my neck again? Pain. Mama Yaniv. So, Jonathan, what brings you to Toronto? You come. You flew all the way to Toronto from British Columbia to <coughs> stalk a child? You're what? crazy. Why are you going to a hospital to meet somebody no, you've never business. met? It's none of your business. It's none of my business? No, it's not. Why are you aiding and abetting this person? I don't hear you. You don't understand. You, huh? I you understand that you're going to be arrested. Oh, am I? Yes, oh, for, pra for practicing journalism? You will be. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Jonathan, why are you preying on minors? Why are you calling Jonathan when you know she's a girl? Oh, why you just, are you calling Jonathan? You just why used, are you discriminating against the transgender? You just said why he and him. You, why are you humiliating? You just said he and why him. Why are you humiliating? 
You know exactly but what you just their name use the male is. pronouns. You know what their name is. You just use the male you pronouns. Know you know. You know yeah. what their name is. You so know what the name why is he preying on minors? No, you're not going to embarrass him. Yes. You don't come close to him. Huh? You know me. You not come oh, you just call you just call them him. You just call them him. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. I'm on a public sidewalk, sir. I'm not touching you. It's COVID restrictions. I'm asking you nicely. Yeah, I'm walking backwards. You're walking towards me. You don't have a right to arrest us. Go away. Ma'am, this is a predator. I I am he they're walking to me. Why did you travel 3,000 miles to meet a minor at Sick Kids Hospital? You can blah, 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 blah. Blah. I know. Yeah. It's called freedom of speech. Yeah. It is called freedom of speech. Her name is Jessica. What kind of genitalia does he have? is your problem? Huh? What kind of genitalia do I have? Hey, Carney fans, don't despair that the freak show has been canceled due to political correctness. I mean, hey, who needs to gaze upon Lobster Boy or the Bearded Lady when you've got Jonathan and Mama Yaniv crisscrossing Canada these days on their gender bender tour? Here's the backstory. We were tipped off by a source that Jonathan had been catfished. In other words, Someone had fabricated a completely fake personality. She told Yaniv she was flying to Toronto with her sick daughter. She also told Yaniv not to go to Toronto and to leave her alone. But apparently, being able to visit a little girl while confined to a hospital bed was irresistible bait for Yaniv. And so it was that Yaniv communicated with this person to state that he too was en route from Vancouver to Toronto Sick Kids Hospital to see them as well. Now, keep in mind, Yaniv had never met the woman he was texting with. He had never spoken on the phone. He had never seen a video. All he was going on was one fake photograph. But apparently that was good enough for him to hop aboard a plane for a cross-Canada journey with mama in tow to boot. How sick is that? In any event, here's what you had to say about the latest exploits of the yucky Yanivs. Penguin Queen writes, I don't understand why someone would set up a fake relationship with Yaniv, but then tell them not to go. I'm confused. Well, Penguin Queen, I think this is what's known as the art of the con, the sort of proposition that would make Tom Sawyer blush you set up a premise that is alluring to Yaniv, i.e. that there is a female child confined to a hospital bed, and then you tell them, do not come. So there is an element of forbidden fruit here, making the bait all the more irresistible for this sick puppy. It's absolutely nauseating, but thank God this child is indeed a fictional construct. Zephyr Sky writes, I'm so proud of Rebel for only calling Yaniv a he. Well, thank you, Zephyr. Hey, I'm just calling it like I see it, like the umpire behind home plate. If this thing has male genitals, well, in the words of Austin Powers, it's a man, man. And I just don't care what this thing identifies as. I just really don't. And Hope Bernava writes, I love that he's dropping toiletries from a hotel as he runs away. Yeah, me too, because, you know, whenever I check into a hotel, I always steal some rolls of toilet paper. You never know if your plane might be diverted to Venezuela, for example. 
Hey, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.